Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hupka, a chapter past president and a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. And I'm Leticia Niego, the 2022 president elect. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. We also have Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing the Chief Talent and Diversity Officer at MentorClick, the author of Mentoring Programs That Work and Real-World Training Design, and co-author of Balancing Time, Quality, and Expectations in the ASTD Handbook 2nd Edition, Jen Laban. Welcome, Jen. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are thrilled you're here. This is a really exciting topic. So today we're going to be looking into mentoring programs that work. But before we do, we'd love it if you would tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I am so fortunate that I've spent my entire career in the talent development world. It's been over 20 years now. So clearly I started when I was 10. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and um, I've been working in leadership development for a lot of that time. And as I was building these leadership development programs, I became more and more sort of enamored, if you will, with mentoring and the power of mentoring. So that's really ha- has been the focus for a little bit over a decade now for me. I started and led a consulting practice called Terp Associates for nine years. And uh, three years ago, joined forces with MentorClick, which is an award-winning software platform for mentoring programs. I joined their executive team as the chief diversity officer. And uh, my day-to-day is really exciting. I'm just so grateful. I get to both work with MentorClick clients who are launching mentoring programs, especially ones focused on DEI, as well as facilitate our Mentor Lab development program, which is for mentors. That really does sound fascinating. I'm really excited to get to learn more from you today, especially, frankly, as being someone else who started her professional journey at the age of 10. It can't possibly (laughs) have done that long otherwise. So mentoring is a huge topic in a lot of organizations. And I am really excited to hear from you. Why is mentoring so important in the workplace? I think that... uh uh, one of the biggest factors uh, that that it, it makes mentoring so important and so pivotal, um, and really what gets me out of bed every day, that gets me excited to do my work, is that mentoring can be one of the most effective tools we have for attracting, retaining, engaging and promoting talent. Uh, When these programs are designed well, when they're supported well, I I think um, the results are incredible. Uh, This is even more important now, I think, when you consider the shift over the last few years with more organizations finally recognizing the need to support employees from underrepresented identities and backgrounds. and we know that, uh, like Diversity Inc., for example, uh, the Diversity Inc. top 50 companies, 72% of them have reverse mentoring programs, right? So this is a big part of the puzzle when it comes to DEI, but also talent development in general. 
Ooh, I'm, could you explain reverse mentoring programs? Absolutely. So uh, reverse mentoring programs, it's it's interesting it's from an industry perspective. When I started, reverse mentoring programs were kind of like a bad word. We didn't really talk about those very much because they were, they were done so poorly that they got kind of a bad rap for a while. But now um, there's this reemergence because we know really how to be intentional with it. So what that is, is where the the reverse part is the roles. So the mentors in those programs are are usually junior employees, uh, individual contributor level most often, that uh, uh, have some aspects of identity that are underrepresented or their background. Um, and the mentees in those relationships are usually those senior leaders and executives in the organization. And the idea is, is reversing the roles of who's learning from whom and expanding that awareness um, and those inclusion practices within the organization. Oh, I love that from a DEI perspective. I mean, I've heard of it from a, a generational perspective. I hadn't heard it called reverse mentoring, but I love that from a DEI perspective as well. Yeah, um, there are some amazing uh, companies and programs out there. We work with LabCorp, who's won awards for their reverse mentoring program. Uh, so um, uh, they have a really successful one going into, oh, I'm not sure how many cycles they've done, but uh, the results are, it's just gaining momentum and everyone wants to join. Oh, I love it. Well, and this takes us into uh, best practices, it sounds like, for organizations. So looking at that individual who's currently in an organization and they want to maybe have a, uh, a mentoring program, what are some of the strategies, you know, the best practices or frameworks that we should consider when developing a mentoring program? When an organization is starting out thinking about structured mentoring programs, and I, I want to clarify my language here a little bit because this is one of my um, soapboxes, I guess, is that <laughs> I like to call it structured mentoring programs because a lot of people call them formal mentoring programs. And then our our executive sponsors get all kind of nervous when you used to call something a formal program. So we call it structured programs to help yeah. with that. Um, so when you're, when you're considering creating structured mentoring programs in the organization, the first piece to understand is that you absolutely want to think about sustainability and scalability with these programs. Uh, for such a long time, mentoring programs have gotten this bad reputation for being like flavor of the month kind of uh uh, you know, big, we're going to make a big deal about it. And then it disappears a few months later. And that is not at all what we want. So understanding that when you are launching a mentoring program, we want it to be really intentional and aligned to strategy, aligned to what the organization really needs from their talent. Uh, typically, companies are going to go one of two directions. They're either going to look at a specific population with a specific need for, um, for a mentoring program. So for example, we talked about DEI a lot, right? So there might be a black talent network or, or a women's employee resource group uh, that is very active in the organization. And so we might want to look at that, uh, that group of employees and say, we want to support them and invest in them with a mentoring program. That's one approach. Uh, the other approach is to say, we want to make sure that we are creating opportunity for community and connection across all of our employees, especially in today's world. Uh, well-being 
and connectedness is so important. And so an enterprise-wide, big, open program might be the way to go. The, the, the choice, the path is really dependent on what the organization will benefit from most and what's aligned to the strategic goals. So when we started today, you had mentioned that mentoring programs can be great for attracting, retaining, engaging, and promoting, all of which are you know just so important within organizations. Do you find that organizations typically have multiple different types of mentoring programs for each of those? Or do you find sometimes that they might establish a framework that has different, you know, almost different categories within it, perhaps? So maybe one mentoring program program that can help multiple people achieve wherever, you know, kind of whatever they're looking for, whatever might be a part of their path within a company. I am so glad you asked that question. Um, that <laughs> is <laughs> that is really the philosophy that me and my team work from is mm. we, we think about purpose and population. That's what drives the answer to that. So uh, I, I know that mentoring, pro, uh, mentoring programs, oh, mentoring programs, um, are, will affect all those things we talked about, all, which are all of our talent goals, right? Attracting, mm. engaging, retention, promotion. Like we, we want all those things to, um, to be impacted. And certainly a really amazing mentoring program will hit all of those dashboards. Um, However, what we do when we're designing the program is we think purpose and population, right? So, so we said, um, if you have a need to, uh, across the employee base, we really want to improve employee retention or engagement for all of our employees. This isn't isolated to a department or a team or a region. This is really an important thing for an entire company. Then, uh, a whole whole company, what we call an open program, is probably the right way to go. On the other hand, maybe that we're looking at uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we're looking at um, underrepresented groups at different levels in the organization. We really need to uh, make sure that we're supporting the career paths of um, uh, across gender diversity, racial and ethnic diversity, right? Maybe we're looking at some of those and we say the population in this case is really where, what we want to design around. So, um, those, those are the two factors that we, we focus on and the results come out of those programs every single time. Tie in too, as far as sustainability and scalability are concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that really helps to to help an organization figure out what kind of program is going to be right and what they can maintain so that they don't lose that momentum. Absolutely. So, Jen, how do we know a mentoring program is indeed working? Uh, that is another of my favorite questions. <laughs> uh, so. I I came up in the talent development world. I feel like um, uh, the ATD conferences, international conferences, were my proms. Like I, I, I've listened to all the speakers, I've read all the books, and there is so much concern around measuring success for talent development. Right? Um, there is a lot of debate about what can be measured or what can be attributed. One of the things that made me so excited to join the team where I am now is they're, the work they're doing to measure the success of mentoring programs. Now, I can give you numbers that's based on our clients, but um, 
we, of course, don't, we haven't done similar studies outside of, of the clients that we work with, but we believe that really well-designed mentoring programs um, will have that impact across the board. So for example, um, we work with the Clorox companies. Everybody's heard of them, use their bleach, I'm sure. And what, um, what their data showed uh, we looked at retention-based ROI as sort of the metric of how do we know this program is being um, is successful. So retention-based ROI says how um, how much money did we save in retaining our top talent versus how much do we spend a direct spend on the software uh, as well as indirect spend on sort of human work hours invested in managing that program. So that's the retention-based ROI formula, if you will. And Clorox company has found a 19 times ROI. So they, they saved 19 times as much as they spent, including just time on their mentoring program. And that is wildly successful. Uh, even more successful is KeyBank. Uh, KeyBank is a Fortune 500 company, uh, and uh, I like to think that they're pretty on top of their metrics, and they're pretty, you know, uh, detailed as far as far as making sure that anything they put out into the world, they they stand behind. They have a 55 times ROI on their mentoring program. Wow! <laughs> yeah, so they they saved millions of dollars in that mentoring program several millions of dollars in their mentoring program by retaining that top talent, not having to go out and search for um, people for those positions, train them and take a long time to be successful by retaining that top talent. They, they saved 50 times, 55 times as much as they spent on it, which in all of my journey in this industry, I've never heard of anything like it. It is so exciting. Wow. Now, Jen, I love it. You mentioned a couple of times that those are, we've asked you a couple of questions that you, you really like answering. <laughs> I was just curious, is there anything else you want our listeners to know about mentoring programs that we haven't asked you? Our employees, your employees at every organization are looking for ways to connect in a virtual world, to establish communities with people who share aspects of identity, as well as their allies. Our employees are looking for those ways to connect, to, to establish community, to learn, to grow, to figure out where their career is headed. And mentoring programs can be the truly the perfect solution for that. Um, it is a human human-based, human-oriented sort of solution. And it creates relationships and it creates networks and it creates leadership skills and it creates inclusive behavior. Um, I am so fortunate that I get to spend every single day working in this space. So I know I'm biased, but I truly believe that every company, if you haven't put structured mentoring programs in place, I really think considering whether or not mentoring programs could be a huge benefit to your talent development landscape. Oh, I love it. That, no, that's very powerful for definitely why companies should have that. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to switch to the individual and hopefully this is an area that you, you don't mind covering, but for that individual that's listening and they're in an organization and their organization doesn't have a mentoring program and they're like, Oh, mm -hmm. I wish I could have something like that. 
are there any suggestions that that individual can do to maybe create their own mentoring situation? Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am without going out and finding a mentor. Uh, yeah. as several, in fact, and I don't believe anyone achieves success by themselves. So if your organization doesn't offer you that structured opportunity, uh, then creating that opportunity for yourself is is key. Don't hesitate. Now, I will say a couple of my lessons learned, hard-earned <laughs> uh, wisdom here. First of all, know what you're looking for from a mentor. So before you approach anyone, think about what it is that you need from a mentoring relationship. And then that will help inform who you do approach um, for, for mentorship. And so I have a parenting mentor. I have a business mentor. I have a gardening mentor. <laughs> uh, and, and because uh, we, you know, we watch these movies with uh, Yoda or Doc Brown or Mr. Miyagi. We watch these movies. Uh, at least my generation grew up with the idea that one mentor is going to magically fix everything in your life. And that's not how life works. So, yeah. um, so figuring out what you really need from a mentoring relationship can help you zero in on maybe who might be the best fit for answering that need. You could have several mentors at any given time. And then go ask them. Um, I followed someone, um, my one of my favorite humans in the world who does incredible work. Um, I followed his social media and his, you know, blog posts and various podcasts even uh, for a long time. And finally, I just reached out and I asked him to mentor me. I was one of like 35,000, you know, in the crowd. And he said, yes. And oh, that was, wow. yeah. And that was a really moment. And I think he said yes, because I had a plan. I said, here's why I'm asking you. Here's what I think I could benefit from you. Here's the effort I'm asking you for just uh, one hour a month for a few months. And then maybe every other month after that for a while. And um, that made it easy for him to say yes. I have to say, I, I am so glad you mentioned that. Because I feel like the beginning of the mentoring relationship, especially if it's an individual seeking a mentor, can be really nerve-wracking, making that oh, yeah. ask and hoping someone says yes. And for, as someone who has both asked for mentorship and been asked to be a mentor, I can say being going through the asking process is scary and probably in ways that it shouldn't be. But still, you recognize that the gift of someone's time and knowledge is perhaps the greatest thing you can ask for. That said... Being asked to be a mentor was one of the nicest compliments I've ever received. So I think, you know, for anyone who's who's concerned or nervous about making that ask, it is absolutely worth it. And chances are you will make someone's day when you do. Chances are not only will you make their day, but even if they feel like they can't say yes, chances are they're going to want to point you in the direction of someone who would be a good fit and would say yes. So, yeah. so, so just go for it. Um, and, and, and you should feel really good about that. It is really an honor to be to be asked. Yeah, I oh, it absolutely is. I'm wondering too, knowing that 
the way that we work is changing yet again. And now we're going to be looking at more of the, you know, for many of us, a hybrid situation. And I'm wondering if there are any considerations for organizations that may be looking at hybrid as far as how they're structuring mentor programs or whether or not uh, there are differences between how you might engage with somebody in person and the time you might spend versus outside of work. I, I know as people are starting to think about how how things are going to be looking for them as they return to the office, it may, you know, it may have some considerations or some implications as far as how a program might be structured. So what's interesting is two years ago, uh, when everything really changed, um, <laughs> uh, we, uh, you know, at the beginning of everything changing, there was a lot of talk uh, about in my in my particular world about mentoring programs needing to adapt to fit sort of virtual relationships. And we did this little study across, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who use our platform. And what we found was something like 95% of those relationships were already virtual. Wow. So um so it's kind of a, a multi-part answer. The the first part is I think that People have already been moving in that direction with mentoring relationships specifically. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert outside of that. Um, but, but, you know, I think that we as a, as a workforce are so much more comfortable using Zoom and other virtual meeting spaces. Uh, we're so much more comfortable, col- uh, communicating asynchronously either with text or any other app. And I think that that appetite for having virtual mentoring has just naturally gone way up. Having said that, what I find most intriguing about the the transition, you know, maybe to more hybrid, some companies are saying we're going to always be virtual, right? There's a, there's a lot going on out there. I think what's most intriguing is that return to office doesn't mean return to quote unquote normal. It doesn't right. mean return to water cooler talk. Uh, we humans still want to connect with other humans. And now that we have the ability to do that globally uh, and in a way that isn't isn't constrained by being geographically located. I don't see mentoring ever going back to not being virtual. Even if we sit in the same office, we're likely to ha- schedule our mentoring conversations for like on the day that we're not at both in the office <laughs> so right. we can speak freely. So I think that's really interesting how quickly and how deeply people have embraced that. Oh, that's great to hear. And yeah, that was really sort of the, you know, where I was coming from as my, as far as my curiosity is concerned, mm-hmm. thinking that it could be easier to have some of those conversations perhaps outside of the traditional office setting. And knowing that people may choose to have that structure, they may find that it's easy to get away for a half hour for coffee or something. It sounds like hybrid mentoring is is certainly you know, something that we'll be embracing most likely, but that virtual spin, that was a little surprising to me and very exciting to hear. Yeah. Jen, we have reached that time. At the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests rapid fire style questions. And each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. Are you ready? Yes, let's do it. 
Okay. <laughs> Give us one book that everyone must read and why. I think I'm going to have to recommend Start Finishing by Charlie Gilkey. Hmm. I want to recommend something that's outside of talent development, normal sort of bookshelves. I think talent development practitioners tend to be high achievers who take on a whole lot of different projects. <laughs> and I, that book is approachable. It's a practical guide for managing yourself if you have that tendency. Nice. Now tell us, what's a tool that you cannot live without? That one's easy. It's Google Slides. <laughs> My whole team is familiar with me saying, I think in slides, I will show up to <laughs> casual like weekly meetings with just a few slides to help structure my thoughts. How interesting. Okay. Now, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I, I'm going to say the best piece of advice I've ever been given is people don't care what you know until they know you care. You can be the smartest, most accomplished, hardest working person in the room. But if you haven't built trust or any kind of relationship, then you're not going to do much good. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Jen, this conversation has been full of great ideas and great advice. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. I had so much fun. We did too. And of course, a big thank you to my co-hosts as well. Oh, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. Very informative. Thank you, Jen. And of course, many thanks to all of you in our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Whether you are a member of our chapter or not, we have resources for you. Go to dcatd.org and choose the chapter bulletin board to read our blog, access the member spotlight, and learn more about how TD professionals spend their time. Love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and provide a review.